This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach. And for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. I made a list at the start of this podcast of the reasons I don't like horror films. And I realise I left out one. And Shag, get ready for a bit of a spicy, a spicy opinion. I also don't like horror films or I'm not attracted to horror films because I, for a long time, had a view that I don't like people who like horror films. Ooh, that's interesting. Yes. So can I just plant that seed, change mm. topic, and we'll, and we'll come back to it. In 2013, there was a Western Australian rapper... Um, who I'm not going to name because I think is very, very shit and <laughs> pre- presumably has been told lots of times that he stinks. Um, and I don't need to add to that. But in any case, this rapper caused a song to be released called Chainsaw Dick, right? And the central conceit of this song was Evil Dead style, this guy's dick had been replaced with a chainsaw. And he's like, I'm a chainsaw dick. I slay more chicks and I'm a chainsaw dick. Not on that gay porn shit. And it's this hateful, underconceived, aggressive, misogynistic, violent, closed-minded drivel. Right? It's like it's, uh, the world's a worse place for it existing. And so I was like, oh, cool. This is what horror fans think is cool. Like, like, like this is so obviously derived from a classic horror trip. Like this is riffing on the Evil Dead. Um, this is obviously a horror fan talking about being a sla- like all songs like I'm a slasher and my and my. Um, I think there's even a slash joke about having a slash is doing a wee and it's like I'm a slasher but with my dick but not that kind. <laughs> and it's like, yep, uh, congrats. Um, <laughs> and. It stuck with me as one of the worst things I've heard. And it stuck with me of being like, oh, yeah, cool. This is what people who like horror films think is cool. Now, obviously, as this podcast has marched on, I've come to understand that there are nuances, that there is subtlety, that there is not no one single horror fan or one single archetype. But I think if I'm to embrace horror into my life, I think I, and perhaps we here at Spooko, need to confront the really hateful, angry, deeply fucked, troubling and upsetting elements that can be indulged, and obviously are not always indulged, but that can be indulged, that are sometimes given voice to as a part of this genre. So, Shag, should we just feel bad and cancel the ep there and come back next week? Or? I'm, also, I'm kind of like, is that the episode? I don't know what to do with that. Like, that's... Yeah. I, I, I feel like there's, there's a whole subset of... And I don't think it's just hip-hop. I think there's a lot of mm. music. I think definitely in metal as well. Like, I don't know if you've ever read the lyrics to like Cannibal Corpse, but there's, no, and, and I mean, like, I I'm can... not a big metal fan. So I'm sure there's metal fans that are like, Ooh, Cannibal Corpse is mainstream or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't give a fuck. All right. I don't fucking yeah. care. But like, but 
typifying that kind of lyric where it's like, I'm just going to be as extreme as possible. Can you deal with it? And it's like, there's a certain level of responsibility when you put art yep. into the world. And I don't think that's cool. I didn't realize, I remember knowing about that song, Chainsaw Dick. I didn't realize it was that hate. Like, I just, like, I mean, obviously, even the name just makes me feel uncomfortable. But everything about that, Peach, I totally understand why you would fucking have, like, I get that. I'd be like, yep. yeah, the, uh, like that kind of half makes me want to be like, I give up. I hate that. Yeah, like, we picked the wrong horse on this podcast or something. <laughs> we should have done sci-fi. Sci-fi. Uh, yeah, like there's no, oh, yeah, oh, actually, I'm sure there are awful things. Yeah, oh, thanks, sorry. That, that's, sorry. That's, that's right, isn't it? <laughs> but, but yeah, look, all right. So I'm, all I can do is a big, a big old tonal shift a la last episode. <laughs> what's, what's the rewind? Rewind. No, but, it, but here is something interesting. So mm. very recently... For the first time in something like 60 years, someone died as the result of a shark attack in Sydney. That's yeah, okay. that's not something that really happens anymore. I don't know, Peach, you live by the water not that far from Sydney and you're often at the beach. Uh, uh, mm. Are sharks a thing that you think about and are cautious of when you are out and about? Uh, yeah, but only broadly speaking of like there'll be an, there'll be an alert and so everyone gets out of the water... Or there'll be certain times a day that that you just shouldn't be swimming, but it's never felt imminent to me. Um, you know, the same way the sort of oxygen bags in the plane, and I'm sure we're we're made to feel this way. But I'm like, yeah, 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 oxygen bags in the plane, yeah, 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 shark alarm, like whatever. I've never really uh, joined the dots between those two. Like I accept sharks are scary, but I generally take the view that that they're only going to attack if you're a bit of a goof slash a bit courageous in a way that I'm not. Like, I'm not going out and swimming in the deep. So I think you make a really good point there in the fact that I think most people in Sydney, Mm. you know, especially people who don't live by the water and ocean swim and are out there every day, they're an Mm. abstract fear. Yes. I think in the same way that mm. our rapper, and obviously fuck this guy, whoever it is, the road chainsaw dick. Look, like, it's bright, okay? He's in that Perth crew that drafts runs called like syllabolics or whatever it is. Bright, you suck. Because the only reason people write these things, say these things, is because they're not connected to them. Like 100%. They're, they're not affected by them. So they feel like they can write this extreme shit without saying it. And I think that's a really interesting thing to think about in terms of horror in the... We're writing about these things because we're disconnected from them, right? And as the world gets crazier and, and as our experience of the world becomes closer in the way that we consume everything, not through an official sort of, you know, media release, but through people's mm. phones. Because the reason I'm bringing this up, I know this is a really roundabout yeah. way, but the thing about the shark attack, the first lethal shark attack in Sydney in 60 years, is that most people I know have seen the smartphone video of the attack. Now, I'm not yeah. going to describe what's in the video, and obviously the attack happens underwater, so you don't. it's not that you see it. But the fact that this attack is documented by someone watching it being like, hey, hey, wait, that's a great why, wait, what, what's going on? Not like some, not like some scripted scene, but an actual yeah. thing. And, and the same thing's happening in Ukraine, where it's like mm. we're seeing things via memes and TikToks rather than via a news report from a 30-year veteran journalist wearing a flak jacket and a helmet. Not mm. that we're not seeing that, but that's the minority of what we're seeing about coverage of what's happening. Roundabout way, but we got there. <laughs> today's, yeah. film, today's film has a moment in it 
that sort of blurs that line between the way we consume reality now and an iconic, and I mean like absolutely iconic horror film. So today, Peach, we are doing the direct. Cabin in the Woods. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing the direct sequel to 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, simply called Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <gasps> So Harlow is a ghost town. We have a vision for this place. All it needs is young blood. I don't want to live here. This is a chance for people to start fresh somewhere. Somewhere safe. Hey guys, you should see this. What are you doing in our house? You really shouldn't be here. years I've been waiting for this night just to see him again <gasps> Leatherface so down for Laurie Strode back from the original Ready to Kill Everyone. It strikes me that that's basically we saw Halloween Returns or Halloween 2017, whatever it's called. Um, I'm like, yep, got it. Great idea. Let's do it. Secondly, I don't think we ever confront the fact that two things. Firstly, I could beat up an old man. Like, I'm not a young man now. But if someone's like 25, 50 years ago, is now 75, I'm like, I'm going to beat the shit out of someone like that. It may it may surprise you. I've never been in a fight. Like, mm. if you were going to beat up someone, what's your, like, do you just throw a, do you throw a punch at their head? Like, what do you do? I don't do? really know. Look, I've been in a fight since my teens. Like, a fist, and that was like a fist fight, like box, <laughs> like you're sort of throwing, throwing punches. But I'm just like, look, if you're an old man, like picking up a chainsaw, which is heavy, um, I, like I, I think I'd probably backing me to beat to beat the shit out of you. Like, and not to get too chainsaw dick energy on everyone, but like, uh, like I'm just not scared of an old man carrying something heavy. Just to, I'm, and even if I was scared, I'm faster than you, so I'll just run away. It's it's an odd dynamic, but I do like that they're trying to take responsibility for creating this scenario of like, right, how on earth can we take this very specific scenario and, you know, reboot it in a, in like in a, in a plot wise sense, in a way that that's going to, it's going to do it. I like it when filmmakers take responsibility for like, great, we need to make it make sense as to why it looks like it looked 50 years to go years ago. We need to make it make sense as to why it's still empty cornfields. We need to make it make sense as to why it looks the same. I, I, I admire the um, clear eyed engaged spirit that this film apparently takes. There is so much I love about this film. And Peach, I know you don't like people who like horror films, so I hope this doesn't, <laughs> this doesn't fuck our friendship. <laughs> but 
There's so much to enjoy about this film that, you know, we've discovered horror does so well. First of all, the running time. This has an official running time of 81 minutes, but I timed it. By the time the credits actually roll, it's been 73 minutes. That's like a long episode of Breaking Bad. Like, that is a phenomenal length for a film. That in itself is a huge achievement. I feel like there should be Oscars for that, for like the shortest <laughs> film. <laughs> and you know what's cool about it? It like it achieves what it needs to do in mm. that 73 minutes. This is a very small film. This, Even though this is a direct sequel to the original mm. from 1974, this almost has nothing in common. The original that we talked about was devised as this sort of waking nightmare, which did so well. And to this day, I can think about that film and feel the feeling that I get Mm. when watching that film. This film is very gory. I'll give it that, but that's about it. It it doesn't involve the whole... Like, the whole point... Like, it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre has since become uh, typified by Leatherface. The yes. guy carrying the chainsaw with the human face mask. Yeah. But it was about a family, like a family of cannibals right. of which Leatherface was kind of like the, the muscle, the strong man, but there were a whole family yeah. that sort of killed and ate, ate people. That family doesn't exist. There's no real... There's, there's In 73 minutes, I don't have time to talk about <laughs> where they've gone, so they're just, they're just not part of it. And in a way that the first one was like I, I was was kind of not really about this at all. This one has a gentle and again a reason to love it, a gentle anti-capitalist streak. Yes. In in which most of the victims are hipsters from I think Portland who've come into this small town to gentrify it. Oh, <laughs> so, that's so good. Which is which is kind <laughs> of funny, right? Uh and including like the reason why the the, the new uh, chainsaw spree happens is because they buy up an old house that somebody was living in and they're like, too bad, old people, we've got the deeds and we're going to turn it into a Shake Shack or a food oh, truck. <laughs> you know, it's, it's some shit like that, right? Like, it's actually really fun for that reason. But let's talk about the timeline because we know that horror was into multiverses way before the Marvel films were. Yes. There have been nine films, including this one, in the Chainsaw Massacre series. Okay. And I'm going to walk you through them, right? So 1974, the original. Yes. 1986 is number two, written again by written and directed again by Toby Hooper. Mm. Um, it was a, it, that was a sequel uh, um, that was more of a comedy set around like a, a, a radio DJ whose set gets invaded. Um, like I think it was briefly banned in Australia because it is like super gory. Uh, the third was Leatherface, which was. Um, uh, like a like a very 90s one that came out in 1990, which was a sequel to that one. Mm. Then they created a, the first reboot, which was called Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which featured a Amazing. very young Matthew McConaughey in 1995 and Renee Zellweger were both in this film. Young Texans both, as I understand. You know what? This is actually what? really funny. This is, this is crazy. I never... Even though the, it's in the name, I never actually realized that it was set in Texas. Texas. I've just been like, oh, of course it's set in Texas. Because <laughs> yeah. it's called the Texas. You know how it's like sometimes awesome. a name. Yeah, yeah. It's just a name. Yeah, it's yep. just a name. It means nothing. All right. Then in 2003, there's another reboot starring Jessica Biel called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was a huge box office success and mm. apparently kicked off the remake craze in the early noughties. Oh, snap. Th- then there was a prequel 
to that film called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning in 2006, which wasn't super successful, which is why there was then a film called Texas Chainsaw 3D, which was another direct sequel to the original, which came out in 2013. Can I just ask, like... How do we know within the texts whether things are sequels? Like, do we rely on the press around it of being like, no, no, you, so for Halloween, it's like, no, no, the third, fourth and fifth films didn't happen. Sixth film did. This is a sequel to the second film in the same universe as the sixth film. Do, like, do we just accept what the producers say about it? Where horror films diverge from Marvel films, I think, is that you can watch any single one on its own and... You can you cannot realize it's part of a larger yeah, okay. you know universe, and I think that's really important. But there would be story cues, there would be characters, there'd be callbacks that would be clear. But but I imagine it would be hard to understand if you didn't know what was happening. So then in 2017, there's Leatherface, which is a prequel to a self-contained trilogy that's Leatherface, the original, and then Texas Chainsaw 3D from 2013. And now we have Texas Chainsaw Massacre dropping the The, which is another direct sequel to the original that came out this year that was bought to be released exclusively on Netflix. So you're you're up to date with where we are in this series? Is it that that according to this film there are only two films? Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. And so there's been these are all what if little spin off <laughs> spin off anthologies. Yes. These are all hypotheticals that have yes, just. Yes, but now we get the actual sequel to the so, original. And so when they're probably like, okay, guys, I know we've done some other ones, but this one is the <laughs> real one. It really, really is the real one. And what's funny about this one is, like I said before, it's such a small film that's so unrelated to the original, except for the fact that it's got Leatherface in it, who's since become the breakout star, but was never really the only villain in the original. Which, which, is, which is where we are today. It was uh, conceived by Fede Alvarez, who you might remember. He was the guy oh, remember, who wrote right. that film because of the bad feedback. So he's like, oh, guys, okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll write a film that is not super violent and does this, right? So I don't what know do you what... like? Just tell me the stuff you like and I'll put it in. <laughs> he probably looked at the history of this. He's like, okay, so they do a lot of direct sequels to the original. Maybe I'll just do another direct sequel. What did people like about it? Right. They didn't like the tone. Like the tone's not it. It's one of the characters <laughs> in it. But it is, it is interesting, right? Um, because when you try to think about the audience 50 years ago, I guess wearing someone else's face on your face is the equivalent of a human centipede now-ish. Like it's the equivalent level of disgust where you're like, wow, mm, completely, someone completely. else's skin. Whereas now it's like, oh, well, you know, there we go. It's an old, old leathery face. <laughs> it's an old leathery <laughs> And so I wonder whether that comfort, to, to put it in the way disgusting horror fans would put it, that increased comfort with extremely intense ideas means that, um, the very concept of Leatherface no longer belongs in a boundary-pushing nightmare. It belongs in a more by-the-numbers slasher. A made-for-Netflix film. Ma- a made-for-Netflix by-the-numbers slasher. Yeah, it's mm. interesting, right? So perhaps Ferran Adria or whatever his name is, you know, has a bit of pop culture insight and can sort of get into it. Yeah, right. Now, I, I should warn you that this is a very gory film and I'll do my best to describe some of this gore because this is still a horror movie exposure therapy podcast. We should send him some notes. Do you think it's good that there was gore <laughs> shared? <or? laughs> okay. 
So nearly 50 years after Leatherface's killing spree in 1973. So in this film, that killing spree did happen. It's not like a... So this film exists in watching a copy of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. going like, whoa, that looks intense. Hope it's that not, never happens. It's yeah. not super meta. But yeah. you know what it does do? It starts with footage from the film as a true crime documentary on TV called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I do think is really fun. Yeah, okay. So, so it did happen, but they're like, what happened in Texas in The Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Because, And in this film the perpetrators were never caught. And there was one victim who escaped, who we'll discover later in the film, yes. um, who told her story to police and then never spoke about it again. But 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 surely the house where they filmed, like surely they're still living in that same house where they filmed the original massacre. My understanding of policing in the 1970s, like pre-computers, pre-racial oh, bias God. training, was basically yeah, okay. like... They w- probably went to the house. It wasn't there. They were like, oh, we're out of leads. Leatherface, are you in here? <laughs> no, no, there's no Leatherface in here. <laughs> they probably looked in the phone book for anyone called Leatherface. And they're like, look, we've, we've got no leads. There's nothing here. And they make a point in this film, which I don't necessarily agree with, where they're like, did they ever find Leatherface? And they're like, how are you going to find someone who was wearing a mask? And it's like, <laughs> I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure there are policing techniques. <laughs> to find someone who was wearing a mask. But maybe in the 70s, maybe not. But also if they're wearing the same mask, that makes it a lot easier. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, they're, if they're going through different masks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were the only one wearing yeah. a human skin Fuck. mask. how are we going to find that there's uniquely only one of these in the whole world? <laughs> All right. So anyway, so nearly 50 years after Leatherface's killing spree in 1973, Young entrepreneurs Melody and Dante, Melody's sister Lila and Dante's girlfriend Ruth, travel to the abandoned Texas town of Harlow to auction off old properties to create a trendy, heavily gentrified area. So, Can you do that, Shag? Can you be like, this place is actually now a cool place? I mean, I think this is one of those things where Coney 2012 suggests no. You can't just... The whole point of Coney 2012 was like, you know, social media is the biggest force in the world. If we get everybody on social talking about how bad this warlord is, we're going to create a worldwide movement and find him. And obviously it didn't work. And it's now become, I guess... What, a uh, lesson in the limitations. A, a of, lesson in yeah. the limitations. So, yeah, I, I imagine by the extent of Coney 2012, no, you can't just get on social media and be like, hey, guys, we're going to go to this town. Everybody come to this town. We're going to buy up the properties. It's going to be sick. But <laughs> then I think about how influential people on TikTok are. And I kind of imagine if one of the big sort of, you know, 30 mil plus accounts on TikTok decided mm. to do something like this, part of me thinks... It might be successful. Yo, kids. Frick, 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 frick. <laughs> you know it's the freshest town to move to. <laughs> All right. But that's the point, right? So they're these, they, they clearly have followings. They have a really expensive uh, Tesla. Well, I don't know if it's, I don't know cars, but mm. they have an expensive electric vehicle that they're driving through this small town. And they're driving there on their way after making a big, being like, Saturday's the day. We're going to have this auction. And they're waiting for this bus full of, like, cool, trendy kids to come along. And they're all going to auction off all of these, these like, historic houses in this abandoned town to turn it into a cool new place 
um, like like the cool new like buzzing hub of Texas. Amazing. So anyway, th- they have a bit of a run in at a petrol station where, first of all, one of the characters. So th- this is this is Leela or Lila. Mm. Um, goes in and um, buys a, a a Texas chainsaw souvenir, which is like a chainsaw bottle opener, which comes in handy because she gives that to her sister Melody. She also notices the um, she she notices when she goes inside the the store is playing the trailer to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the true crime documentary, and she asks the guy at the store whatever happened to the survivor, and he says she became a Texas Ranger. Again, that's important. It's not in here, but it's important for the story, for this 73-minute story for you to know these little things. Is there some interchange of like, uh, where's your electric charger for our electric card? It's like, no, we don't have no <laughs> chargers around here, you out-of-towners. Does that come There up? is an exchange where a guy's filling up his car and he's, he's open carrying, so he's got a big pistol, mm. and Melody very loudly, and it's like, I don't know anyone who would do this in real life, but it is very anti-gentrifiers. In that she's like, ugh, must have a pretty small penis to want to carry a big gun like that. <sighs> like, like basically loudly so he can hear. And it's like, number one, I've been to rural Australia and I would never, ever, ever try to insult anyone no. from the country. I would be destroyed. I would be assaulted. But also it's just rude. It's like, you don't know this person. You don't know why they're carrying a gun. I also find small dick insults really, like, ableist. Like, I think it's really, like, like uh, I've got increasingly uncomfortable with them. It's like, oh, what, like a fucking pin dick type response. And it's like, like, uh, yeah, I just don't know how it gets allied with cowardice, like, I, like or, or any other negative connotation. Of, uh, I, yeah. And, and and I've since discovered the term boyfriend dick, which is a term for people who do enjoy partners with a penis. It's the perfect size penis that's slightly, you know, it's smaller than what you would expect because it's perfectly fitted so you can have sex with it all the time. So it's not even like small big dick. It's not even a big thing. Yep. It's just it's old school toxic masculinity yep. still in culture. Yep. Anyway. Okay. Let's end it, Shag. In fact, let's <laughs> right now. Let's let's get rid of the patriarchy, Shag. What do you I reckon? Think it's, I think it's done. I'm going to hand in my. <laughs> and it's like hand we it. make jokes, but it's like I enjoy the privilege every day, so I yeah. actually really should hand in my privilege. All yeah. right. Okay. And we probably right. don't okay. even know what it is as well. Is the other real challenge of like I probably don't even know what all my privileges are. Anyway. Yeah. So all right. Okay. So they have this exchange. Then they make it to the town. Um, while inspecting a dilapidated orphanage, and my understanding is they essentially just bought the whole town. Yeah, okay. At, like for nothing. And so while inspecting How far a dilap- into the movie are we now? Are we like 20 minutes, half an uh, hour? No, the exposition at the start is like we're probably only like five, 10 minutes in. Okay. So while inspecting a dilapidated orphanage, the group discover it is still occupied by an elderly woman called Ginny. When she claims she has papers to prove she still owns the property, an argument breaks out, briefly interrupted by a silent and towering man from upstairs. Now, I don't want to spoil who that man is. Is it, Jack? Can I ask you? <laughs> <laughs> what did his face look like? What? What's the... <laughs> well, surprisingly, his face was in shadow, so we couldn't see. Hmm. So Ginny then collapses from a heart attack and is rushed oh. to the hospital. Okay. Um, the, local, the local authorities, the local sort of sheriff, um, brings her and the son 
to the hospital with Dante's girlfriend, Ruth, in, in, in the front of the car because they're all like, fuck, like, did we just hurt this woman? And they're like, no, she was going to have a heartache anyway, but let's look after her anyway. They're, mm. they're not like evil gentrifiers, but they're callous and they're yeah. like, fuck, like, we just wanted to buy this town. Yeah. We didn't think you were living here and we didn't think you'd have a heart attack. Like, it's all, all these all fucking pin right? Texans around the place. It's just it's so confusing. Yeah. So an investor, Catherine, along with a group of potential buyers, arrive in Harlow on a large bus, distracting mm. Melody and Dante. Meanwhile, Lila strikes up a friendship with a local mechanic, Richter, and reveals she was a survivor of the school shooting, leaving her terrified of guns. Again, the way they play her being a survivor of school sh- a school shooting is actually really cool. Like, okay. it's, it's more, they basically play her as someone with PTSD. and not really dealing with contemporary life. I just, so basically just following her sister, Melody along and Melody looks after her and is essentially her carer. Like it's a really interesting facet to her character Mm. and it, it doesn't have like, it has a bit of a, um, it has a bit of a, like a fulcrum on the plot, but it's not totally relying on it. It's just, it's just a nice shading to her. So Ginny, the, the old woman dies en route to the hospital Ruth texts Melody before the man goes berserk and murders the officers driving the ambulance, leading it to crash. So what happens is she's like, oh, fuck. The, like she sends a text being, oh, fuck, the woman's dead. Mm. As soon as Leatherface, who we still haven't seen his face, realizes that Ginny's died, there's another cop in the back seat. Oh, my God. Okay. All right. I'm go- just, just prepare yourself. Uh, he snaps. His, his, he basically takes his hand pulls his hand down so he snaps his wrist so there's exposed Ugh. bone and then his uses own bone. That, oh, his sorry, own the bone, victim's bone the victim's bone and then stabs that bone into the victim's face killing the victim <laughs> okay the, the, the victim like in the melee tries to shoot but the gun ricochets and shoots the driver of the van causing it to crash I expect there's no answer, but but do we do we get an explanation to why this person is otherworldly strong despite being old as fuck? Not at all. Okay. Never, ever. So I guess that's fine. In the quote, same quote. way that we never get an explanation for Heath Ledger's the Joker. He is just an agent <laughs> of chaos. <laughs> so when Ruth awakes in the crash car, she notices the driver is appears to be dead. She mm. is injured, and she looks in the rearview mirror. And she sees the man cutting off Ginny's face and then wearing it as a mask. <laughs> we've we've discussed before how it wouldn't make you look like the person. Like no, really... and her face is small. <laughs> like all faces are different. Yep. Like I I look at my child's face mm. and they have a large forehead, and I'm like, do I have a large forehead? But I'm like, it, like, and that makes me think like maybe my forehead would be too big to work with other people's faces because it'd be sitting too high up on my face because it's also got to sit on my face properly. You need enough flaps to go around the back so it doesn't fall off. The fundamental problem to me is eyes, right? Like in order for your eyes to be able to see out, you sort of need it to be flush, like straight back against your eyes because it's a layer of skin. It's going to be, you're going to lose all your peripheral vision. I wouldn't like to kill people in any scenario, but I think <laughs> like carrying something that obscured my vision, I, I, I would especially dislike it. And doing it for, for no reason other than that's your calling card. Yeah. yeah. No, like it's, it doesn't help you. It doesn't. It's not Bane. It's not like pain medicine or anything. 
<laughs> Ruth manages to radio for help before being killed by Leatherface, who then makes his way back to the town. So during a property auction, oh, that's right. And the way, like, it's it's like he, he disembowels her. Like, all of the deaths in this film are gruesome and awful and hard <clears throat> to watch. But even still, it's such a small film that you don't, like, they don't really... They're, they seem smaller because of the smallness of the film. And I don't mean that as an insult. I quite like the smallness of this film. Mm. It's one you can consume a in a very short... I, w- I did my timesheets and had this on in the background. And it was enjoyable. I loved it. Jake, did you hear my boyfriend film joke? That's one of the funniest <laughs> things I've said. Oh, I'm so sorry. That was a really good joke. I thought it was really good. And then I said it and I was like, I think Shag's going to like this one. And it just it really didn't land. No, I was a bit sad. You know what my favorite thing about mm. friendships are mm. is the fact that you care what they think about your jokes. And when you get a good joke, you get excited about it. And you're like, oh, I'm going to drop this joke. And they are going to. I was love ready. It. I was like, Shag, fucking strap. I was like, Peach, strap yourself in for feeling good about yourself. <laughs> Shaq's about to laugh at this joke. Okay. So during a property auction, Melody reads Ruth's text and prepares to leave with Lila. She's like, hang on, we've killed this woman. Like they mm. don't know anything else has happened. They just know that this woman's mm. had a heart attack. They think it's their fault. And Melody's like, actually, this whole plan, like, you know, Obviously, she had misgivings as soon as she found one of the you know, houses wasn't empty. But now that someone's died because of it, she's actually like, this is fucked. I don't want any part of it. Yeah, okay. R- Richter overhears them talking about Ginny's death and confiscates their town keys, agreeing to give them back once they provide proof that they rightly re- rightfully removed Ginny from her home. And Dante's like, and Dante, you remember, is you know one of the main architects mm. of this plan, is like, fuck, like, I actually can't find, I know I, I know I bought the deeds, I just don't have them with me. Fuck, that is a. If this is a movie about a property, to, a sort of a title dispute, then that's going to be a, a very significant 90 degree turn from, from what <laughs> I was expecting. So, so, Melody and Dante return to the orphanage to find them because I think they left them there. Hmm. Meanwhile, Sally Hardesty, the sole survivor of the original film, uh... is a now battle hardened Texas Ranger. Learns of the attack by coming across, by, you know, knowing it was a police van. Obviously, there's some sort of distress call. Goes out, finds the van, realizes after seeing the faceless Ginny that it's Leatherface again and is like, I'm going to investigate. Sick. At the orphanage, Melody discovers the papers and realizes that Ginny was wrongfully evicted. Leatherface arrives at the orphanage and attacks Dante, mutilating him with a cleaver right to the face that we will see the results of this, but at first we only see it through a swinging door and a giant slashing of blood, you know, coating the walls. Melody hides as Leatherface retrieves his chainsaw from his bedroom. So he's been living in this orphanage under the care of Ginny, not wearing a leather face, but with his chainsaw just hanging out in his bedroom. Which is like, they don't really explain why. They just say Ginny was, has been looking after this boy for a while. He was one of the last boys mm. they've looked after. And I guess that's enough of an explanation of what he's been doing for the last 50 years. Chainsaws take a lot of maintenance. <laughs> um, and, and, and I guess having the chainsaw there would have had to have been with the consent of Ginny and, and the, indeed the support of Ginny 
And it's like it's a petrol chainsaw, isn't it? Going, it's a petrol chainsaw. And I mean, like, I'm an idiot. I don't understand things, but all metal eventually rusts, right? Like, it all, like, without I think the so, right. Unless you're putting oil and stuff on it. Like, yeah. aren't you maintaining it and oiling it and stuff? And it's like, if he's living this new life with this mum in this boy's home where he hasn't chainsawed anyone else in the boy's home hmm. and he hasn't chainsawed Ginny, that, like, the idea of keeping it oiled is probably a pretty distressing thing. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, he's keeping it all just in case he, just in case Ginny gets killed and he goes fucking bonkatron. Um, <laughs> bonkatron. <laughs> like, he snapped some dude's hand off. The, the snapping the hand off is fairly intense to me. So a rainstorm hits Harlow as nightfall. So so at some point as well, they have a mm. bit of an auction and they sell stuff out and then they, they have a party on the bus as like the post-auction. Like it's a day of events, right? And so now they're on one of those party buses with like neon and like Ugh. a DJ and shit, right? Fuck, like you can't escape a party. Like imagine being on that. I can't think of a worse party to be on. Just fucking wait. Okay. Okay. This film goes into high gear in the last, like, 15 minutes of a 73-minute run time. <laughs> the second half. <laughs> so a rainstorm hits hollow as night falls and Catherine and Lila take cover in the bus with the buyers. Dante manages to stumble out of the orphanage where he's discovered by Richter and half his face is missing and it's disgusting. Blech. So Richter enters the orphanage and is attacked and killed by Leatherface. And he, like he confronts Leatherface and almost has him and he pushes Leatherface up against a window, breaking the window. And then Leatherface being extra strong for some reason is able to push Richter's face into an exposed piece of glass, killing him in a very good <sighs> Maybe I couldn't beat up Leatherface if he had extra strength powers. Melody retrieves the car and bus keys from his body before fleeing the house, reuniting with Leela. Melody has this moment where she's stuck under the floorboards and Leatherface is, like, dragging the chainsaw, like, like through the floor, chasing Melody out, like, underneath the house. It's pretty cool. It's pretty awful. But eventually Melody and Leela um, escape and they get on the bus pursued by Leatherface, who gets on board. Okay, all right. So they are on a party bus. Okay. Leatherface shows up with his human skin face, his chainsaw, and the first thing everyone on this bus do is take out their phones and one of the guys holding the phone to Leatherface is like, you do anything and you're cancelled. It's such a good line. It's such a good line. And I guess it's that, for me, it's that moment where what I was talking about before is like as we start, to view the world through phone screens and other people's, you know, and, mm. and like meme culture and stuff. And as the society goes to shit, as all empires do crumble, and this one surely is, mm. we're going to see more of this stuff. And it was just such a cool moment because they're all got their phones. This guy goes, do one thing and you're cancelled. And then what ensues is like one of the most graphic things I've ever seen where they're the face basically systematically because there's only one entrance behind him and nobody can get out, like slices and dices and disembowels and cuts in half and beheads about 20 people on this party bus as, like, the fluoro lights are flashing and, like, the techno music's pumping. If we go back to chainsaw maintenance, like, you're getting blood and you're getting muscle and you're getting bone... And it goes so far, like it's almost like, a, like I mean, it's a chain saw, like it's a chain, like it's spinning around, like and, and even the tiniest bit of grit or bone or is going to get caught in there. So Melody and Leela trap, like lock themselves in the bathroom 
Leela, Le- I keep saying Leela, Lila. I'm just going to say Leela. Mm. Leela um, gets, gets out the top because there's a skylight. Melody's mm. trapped because uh, Leatherface has killed everyone and is now chainsawing open the door. Now, you remember, she bought that wine opener. She yes. manages to, the corkscrew, she manages to jam the corkscrew in Leatherface's hand, causing him to recoil, allowing her time to escape. Magic. They both escape and they come across Sally, who is in a four-wheel drive, and she says, get in the back seat of the car. Then she locks the car. And they're like, what the fuck are you doing? Drive, drive, drive. And she's like, no, no, no. I'm here to kill him. He's here for you. So I'm going to basically go out and kill him while you guys are here because you guys are sort of bait, but also you're safe. Don't worry. You're, you're locked in my car. She holds him at gun. So she chases him up into the house, holds him at gunpoint. Mm. And it's so annoying because she basically has the shot and she's like, I want you to tell me my name. I want you to tell me who I am before I shoot you. And he just remained silent. And she's like, you don't even know who I am, do you? I meant nothing to you. And then he just walks past her out of the house and she sort of lets him as she sort of, I guess, sort of stunned by. That's really cool. Like the whole thing was she built her whole life up and like she's a relatively minor character in, again, this 73 minute film, but the character work is good enough that you get this idea that she's been living her whole life waiting for this. She became a Texas Ranger and it it meant nothing to him. Her whole oh, life so good. is a That's footnote That's actually really his. good. I really like that. Ugh. So Leatherface then goes downstairs, attacks the sisters in Sally's car, but they are saved by Sally who shoots him. Sally gives Melody the keys to drive away before pursuing Leatherface. So Leatherface ambushes and injures Sally fatally, but Sally's not dead yet. Melody then hits Leatherface with Sally's car before crashing into a nearby building. Uh, Melody is trapped, but orders Leela to run. She's basically like, look, I'm going to die, so I don't want you to try and save me. I'm trapped in this car. I need you to just run away. Um, When Leatherface appears, Melody apologizes for what they did to Ginny. It's actually like a really cool moment where it's like, she's basically like, I know we had a part in killing your carer. I'm sorry. Like, it's just, this film does so many cool things that I really like. As he moves into attack, Leela appears and... One of the many great moments of this film, she, because she's she's picked she's picked up a, a gun. I can't remember whose gun this is, but she's picked up someone's gun. Um, yeah, okay. And, and, you know, even her though fear. She, yeah, yeah, confronting her fear, and she goes, "Hey, leather fuck!" It's, like, <laughs> it's so good. I was just like, I was like cheering at the screen. I'm like, that's so fucking good. Um, she attempts to shoot him, but her gun is empty. So he follows her out of the place leaving Melody safe for now Mm. and swings the chainsaw at her. He almost gets her with a chainsaw before he's hit in the back by a gunshot from Sally, who is almost dead, but she's still alive enough to shoot him one more time. Um, And he runs off. Sally, before dying, says the coolest fucking thing ever. And like, again, it's just like, God, there were so many cool moments in the end of this film where she says to Leela, don't run away, chase him, because if you run, he'll haunt you for the rest of your life. Magic. Like, just fucking magical, right? Like, oh, this, this film has it all. Yep. So Leela then takes Sally's shotgun and pursues Leatherface into an abandoned building where she's ambushed and attacked. 
Melody arrives and takes Leatherface's chainsaw before using it to uppercut him, knocking him into a pool of water where he sinks to the bottom. They escape and Leela finds Sally's hat and puts it on before starting the morning drive. So the film ends sort of in the morning. They're ready to drive away. Um, basically, Leela makes a joke to Melody where she's basically like, so we're moving here or what? And it's, it's, it's a weird total shift, but <laughs> Melody's like, fuck off. Obviously, this was a bad move. And they basically say, autopilot, start driving. And so the car starts slowly driving. And then Leatherface appears, yes. drags Melody out of the driver's side window, and we watch from the rearview mirror, holds her up and decapitates her with his chainsaw. Uh. A horrified Leela driving away in the self-driving car watches Leatherface dancing in the street in the same way he ended the original film. A post-credit scene shows Leatherface making his way to the house where his original massacre took place, which again feels like the first place the police are going to search in 2022. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, so where's where's he previously been? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we might not check there because I mean he was there before. I did like the message the message from the from the future, as it were, of like chase him or you'll always regret it, like or or it'll always haunt you. Like I I think that takes real responsibility again for the the Laurie Strode trope of the like I I'm I'm back to assassinate my harasser jack i like that it's a good film right i love the running time oh 73 minutes oh has that ever been bettered (laughs) i think i think it may be the greatest of all time i think that might win the oscar oh finally uh this was recorded at fbi studios please like subscribe and follow wherever you can and as much as you can and reshes what's up Try anything and you cancel, bro. Oh, fuck.